Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name's Rob Howden. David Cole joining us via satellite from the offices in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, September 17th, 2019, just a couple days on from the final round of the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, rounds five and six at the gorgeous Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston, Texas. Again, our debrief podcast give us the opportunity to kind of review the action from the, the past weekend in podcast form. First chance you ever get a chance to, to listen to our content is obviously on the EKN Radio Network. You can download the mobile app from iTunes or Google Play. Later on, David Cole will turn it into podcast form. That's available uh, right on the website itself at ecardinews.com slash podcast. Or, of course, uh, if you've downloaded uh, and sub- subscribed to us on iTunes and Google Play as well, you'll go get that right to your uh, right to your mobile device. All right, folks, this edition of The Debrief brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. All right, David Cole. Uh, another lazy weekend for you at home, probably doing absolutely nothing while I was uh, baking in the heat down in Texas. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize we we're going to start off that way. Coming in hot. Wow. I guess. Yeah. I'll be sitting in Texas heat. You know, that air conditioning Rob Howden Tower <laughs> has got to be stifling for you because I saw the pictures. You just sit there behind your laptop with a hat on and, and, and you probably had a little took. You know, just in case it got a little too cold in there, but uh, yeah, that's true. I shouldn't say anything about the heat because I, yeah, uh, Carrie and I, Carrie and I were in the in Howden's Tower, and it was uh, it was probably seventy four degrees. So. I got, I got it. You got to, you got to say it was probably better than Amarillo. It was probably, oh, yeah. it was probably a better view than than North Texas Cartways. Yeah, you know what? The, the, I could see everything, pr- pretty much everything. You know, your view is good. You're right there by the pits, so it, it helps. You know, and, and the grid because that's that's very yeah. key in 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 actually doing work. You know, something that you're not accustomed to. <laughs> well, here's the thing about here's the thing about the Texas Pro Car Challenge with Carrie and, and Mark and Gina French. It's hammered down. Like you know, the the schedule is so tight that literally. Turnaround time. I didn't have enough time to even get all the, you know, get the top 10 up on Facebook and Twitter before Carrie flipped the switch and, and we're going green. <laughs> they don't mess, well, they don't mess around. I'll tell you that. That's because you don't have the power of manip- manipulating the schedule. See, I, I've understand, I've done enough races now in the, what, 15 years of going to races. You, you fluff up the schedule maker a little bit. And then you bring them back down to reality when you demand what you need, and then they give it to you, and everything works out uh, great. This did not happen. I was, uh, it was, yeah, it was start at whatever time in the morning and just hammer on through. Thankfully, there was a lunch break, but damn, we, uh, the minute the track was clear, they were rolling the next group. So, and you know what? We stayed on time all weekend long. Uh, it was good. It was definitely a good, uh, definitely a good weekend for sure. Let's, uh, let's look at it a bit here. Again, the, uh, the finale for the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. Uh, season getting underway back in March at North Texas Cartways in Denton, as you had mentioned. Mid-July, 102 to 104 degrees at Amarillo Kart Circuit. But again, the, those winds of West Texas and the, and the dry heat made it a lot a lot easier, especially when I was racing that weekend. Um, 
But wrapping up the season back at the Jewel of, of Karting uh, in, in Texas, Speed Sports Racing Park, fantastic facility. Uh, of course, Alan, Jessica Rudolph always play gracious hosts. Um, final rounds of the championship, as I said, pretty decent weather all weekend long, mid, mid-90s. mid I'd say high humidity, but it actually, with some breeze, you know, went down to, you know, 30, 40, 50% humidity. So uh, a lot more comfortable than I think it could have been. Uh, Series-wise with the numbers, the, the one thing about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, and Gina mentioned this at the Sunday award presentation when we were kind of doing all the all the, the champions after doing the podium for round six. Their focus, David, has always been to, to you know to pr- prepare drivers to go national level racing. You know that was it. It was we're a SCUSA program. We want to make sure we're going to run our program like a SCUSA national, so that when you go to a pro tour race to try it, you're not going to feel like a, a duck out of water. And by doing that, they've graduated so many drivers up up to the level. You know, back in the shifter cart days when there was lots of shifter carters, they were all running uh, in the pro tour and we're all running up front. So many of those drivers were from Texas. Same in the junior category right now. You look at the junior list and and it's all these drivers that that you know run nationally. And a lot of the guys have gone on to run nothing but national. So it's kind of hurt them a bit, David. You know what it's like. They're developing drivers to move on. Well, the drivers are moving on. They're doing what they can to replace them with club racers looking to go regional racing. Just a bit of a soft year for sure because we had 64 entries in total. I think the positive when you look at all the numbers is is the names. There's a lot of the names that weren't there two years ago. And I think that's the positive uh, direction that the Texas Pro Kart Challenge has gone with with bringing, bringing new people, as you said, from the club's uh, – level to regional racing and that's you know essentially what you need to do in order to keep striving and and to keep uh keep moving is you know you get some of the old older people not necessarily age-wise but people who have been in the sport a lot longer tend to move away from regional programs and either a focus on national racing or not race at all and i think that's kind of the direction that uh things are going in texas because you know we see different regions have different um, successes and different failures, and it's all there. There, all it all yep. depends on different circumstances. It's ebbs and flows, right? There's ups and downs. You know, one year you've got 34 kids in the in the, in the micro class, and then the next year, because everybody graduates to mini, you only got 12, and that, that happened. That's just the ebbs and flows for sure. Um, we had, they had nine drivers in X30 senior, 13 drivers in X30 junior with Brain and Tyner. Uh, and Luke Lang coming back, a couple of Texans who've done all the national and international racing. They had 11 drivers in the Mini Swift, and actually a season-high 10 drivers in the Micro Swift category. And, you know, David, I, I look at Speed Sports Racing Park and Alan Rudolph's program as, as, a, as kind of a perfect example. They've got the rental cart program. People are in the rental carts. They're in the rental cart leagues. Then they come over to Alan's, you know, track club series, and two of the drivers who ran top five all weekend in the X30 senior class, Joshua Alianel and Jack Scanlon, they came from the rental carts. They come from rental carts, the leagues, over to over to the uh, to the actual competition karting side. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. That's what that two track deal at, at Speed Sports can develop: a single track, a separate track for r- rental carts, and then the separate track for competition carts. And I think Speed Sports is going to continue to bring more and more new people into the game. Well, and the other side of it is is a lot of people that are doing that rental cart to competition cart. A lot of them just haven't graduated outside maybe Briggs racing because yeah. I know you had uh, 11 drivers in senior and junior for the Briggs uh, 206 class. So, 
that's the other side of it too, is, is a lot of these people aren't yet graduated to the faster categories of IAMI. Uh, and then really for kids, it's either micro or mini. I mean, that's pretty much it because there isn't, there hasn't been that core like grassroots regional program that has been able to establish a, a, a different level from club racing to, to regional racing type type scenario. And let's be real. When we're talking about karting in Texas, it's for all, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's own country. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so far, it's not like where I, where I am here in Ontario up in Canada, where there's probably six clubs within a three hour driving distance, or maybe even two hours, to be honest, probably two hours, five or six clubs. Whereas Texas, it's Houston, it's Dallas, you know, the track out in Amarillo down in San Antonio, it's, um, it's so spread out that, you know, if you want to, if you want to commit to a regional program, you could be driving five, six hours sometimes to come to these races. And that, that just makes it tough to have people come to all the races. And that's when you look at some of these categories where, you know, we had, I think we had 11, was 11, 10 or 11 in the Briggs 206 class this particular weekend. A total of 18 drivers have driven in the 206 senior class this year. Had all, you know, we had all 18 drivers out to all the events. That'd be this big field, but not everybody's running every race. And I think that's, we saw more momentum at the end of the season, I think for more guys coming out. No, I agree with that. And, and again, it, you said it's, you know, Texas is big, but it can also draw from some say Oklahoma and, and Kansas and Arkansas, and Missouri. So it has a potential to, to draw in. It's, it's just a matter of numbers. I mean, we don't, because we don't have hard evidence of the numbers of carters that are in the States it's hard to determine what can we project our program to be. And again, just to cap off before we go to the first break of the action here, really it comes down to regional racing feeds national racing, but it's that foundation of the pyramid club racing, grassroots racing that feeds regional racing and club racing itself in Texas is kind of just stabilizing the 206 starting to bring more drivers out. Alan Rudolph's of course, speed sports racing park, bringing more drivers into their club program. The cut, the, the idea is just to get more people in the clubs and, and the clubs really aren't super, super strong right now in Texas. So that has not allowed, you know, those big, let's say 80, 90, hundred driver clubs to feed a regional program. Once, once they get back to that, then, you know, regional racing will step up once again. All right, folks, first commercial break in episode 56 of the EK and Debrief. Rob Howard alongside David Cole. We're talking Texas Pro Car Challenge. When we get back, I'll jump into the paddock pass. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs and Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs and Stratton Racing, what powers you? The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. The Croc promotion has taken American karting by storm, and simply put, we have the best cart on the market. We've won and continue to win national and regional races with a revolving door of drivers. Myers, Bedozo, French, Musgrave, and we're ready to dominate the rest of the 2019 season. We just want to win. That's it. Plain and simple. 
Our dynamic R&D program is more aggressive than any other manufacturer, and we're the only company focused on building the perfect chassis for American tracks, engines, and tires. Why race a cart made for Europeans? We're testing prototypes for American racing. We're breaking the mold. Crock Promotion is all about supporting dedicated and talented young drivers and winning races. That's Crock Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. We just want to win plain and simple. No BS. Let us spend our time and money developing the chassis so that you can win. With over 35 years of manufacturing experience, Precision Karting Technologies is the leader in American-made components. We produce high-quality products led by our full line of chromoly and mild steel axles. Metric or imperial, standard or custom, we have what you need. Collars, keys, bearings, we're the source for axle components in the USA. We're not just axles either. At PKT, we can manufacture motor mounts, hubs, brake rotors, and even GoPro mounts. We're also the choice for axle and chassis straightening. We've designed a dedicated table for the sole purpose of straightening and laser aligning your chassis. If needed, we have the capability to cut, replace, and weld portions of your chassis as well. Big crash bent your frame? Send it to us. Broke a spindle yoke off in a wreck? We can replace it. You don't need to toss that expensive frame in the trash bin. We can fix it. We can repair and straighten chassis, and we CNC machine the finest carting products in the country. With over 70 dealers throughout the U.S. and Canada, it's easy to choose PKT. Family owned and operated, proudly made in the U.S.A. PKT, what's in your cart? Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network and episode number 56 of the EKN Debrief. The focus of the review today, the 2019 Texas Pro Kart Challenge finale. Rounds number five and six from Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston, Texas. This episode of the Debrief brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. But this particular segment, Paddock Pass, presented by Cometic Gaskets. Cometic Gasket has become a leader in the performance gasket market by collaborating with engine builders such as Roush Yates Engines and ECR from the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Cometic's uh, cutting-edge gasket technology has then been applied to the Burris Cup Series as a spec gasket and from there to the, their entire gasket line for the karting market, including both two- and four-cycle engines. Cometic offers the latest and most complete line of gaskets for today's p- p- performance-minded carter. Visit www.cometic.com for our complete line of carding gaskets. Custom build? No problem. Give us a call at 440-354-0777 and we can help. All right, David, jumping into the paddock pass right now. We already talked about it, but you know what? Good to get back into Howden's Tower. I uh, When I first went to Speed Sports that, that, that opening time at Allen, he wanted to walk me around a little bit to kind of show me the racetrack because when they designed the track, he came to me and said, hey, for, you know, for the announcer's tower, what are you looking for? What would be good for you? And I gave him a lot of input, and he ended up putting my name on the tower, which is, which is pretty badass. But the bottom line is it was air-conditioned, <laughs> which was nice. And Carrie Burke and I uh, working up there, she, of course, handled scoring for the Texas Pro Car Challenge. A beautiful view of that racetrack. Just great to get back to speed sport. I, I love that place. Well, how much of a view do you, is it the entire track you can see from that tower? Because obviously I haven't been there yet. I'm not quite sure what the view is. And I, I don't think I've seen an actual image of, of, of what you can see from where you sit. I miss, I, I honestly, the only thing that comes in when, when they come out of turn number three, there's three, there's four, five. So three's a left-hander, four, five, double apex, right-hand, it leads back onto the straightaway. I can't see four and five. 
because it's behind the rental cart. You know, they're 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 the rental cart. Uh, what do you call it? Building their their shop. So, so, so what you're saying it was poor construction by. I Alan think he Rudolph. probably added the three, four, five after I had set things up. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, yeah, you know, and it, you just don't kind of, you know, that's just things that you don't think about when you're doing it. And I, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, the the probably you could get away with one building, but I probably because of the space that he had, he had to do those two separate buildings, uh, in order to make things work. But, um, what is, I believe there's a, a canopy over the paddock or the, the, the grid, grid area as well yeah. too. Is, yeah. is that, uh, is that still, that doesn't, uh, hamper your view? Not at, at all. all. I can, and, and the cool thing is I can see them coming out of turn 12, which is a bit of a kink out of the hairpin 11 straight right back at us as a short straightaway into, into a left-hand 90 degree turn 13, then the big right-hand turn 14 is where a lot of the action is because uh, that's the final place to pass before you come out, little kink turn 15. I could see the, the, the all that track, all the primary passing zones. I don't lose really any passing zones either because I don't think you see many passes in four and five. So I, I get a really good view of the place for sure. There's actually a, a, a viewing level like a, outside the tower. There's actually a place people can watch up there with some umbrellas as well. As you said, a full uh, canopy over top of the of the grid area. There's a bunch of garages there as well. A huge paddock area. It's just uh, it's just it's a really tremendous facility. And the cool thing is, during the race all weekend long, you know, on the rental track, there were guys out there powering out at the rental track, turning laps, having fun with their friends and family. Well, I was I watched a lot of them hanging on the fence because essentially there's a, there's a walkway between the rental cart building and the the competition track building and the office and, and the shop people can kind of walk back and forth. So they get a chance to stand there at the fence while they're waiting to uh, get in the rental car. They get to see what the competition karting is all about. So it's a, uh, it's just a fantastic place to, to go to races for sure. Definitely the jewel in my opinion of Texas karting. And, and the start finish line is right there in front of the grid. It's right. Yeah, no, actually it's not. It's at, after the, you come by the grid and then a little kink, uh, which is turn 15 that leads to the start finish line. So it's right in front of you. you they, they drive away as they get to the, uh, the start finish line. Okay, so it you is, see the rear of the carts as they hit the start finish line. Exactly right, exactly. And again, you know, as part of the paddock pass here, just for me, it's always fun to go down and work with Mark and Gina French. I think Mark does a tremendous job as the race director. Uh, he had to drop the hammer on the X thirty juniors a little bit because they were actually they actually had elbows up uh, during Friday practice. David, it's uh, it was definitely championship weekend. You know, Luke Lang and Brandon Tyner coming back to play. Jack Jeffers. There was this felt like there was an increased intensity you know even in practice they were getting at each other like they were racing during practice well championships are on the line i believe uh guaranteed starting spots at the super nationals on the line for any regional yeah. champions so that's part of it and just that you kind of get that when uh anytime you're going into a, a final event i mean even the even one-off events you know everything's fine until that main event comes along and then it's like okay the gloves are off let's go toe to toe but but yeah. it it builds that momentum, and I, I mean, you you can you even see that on the pro tour, especially at the summer nationals. You you see guys, uh, you know, Friday morning getting coffee. They just have that serious look on their face, like <laughs> I am here to kill. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Anyways, Mark and Gina do a great job, at, you know, on the, on the whole program. I love being down there with them. Michael Bar- uh, Bartholomew, obviously a big part of the program. Uh, George Shear handling things in tech. Esther Cruz on the grid. It's a well-oiled machine. Carrie Burke, as I set up in scoring. It's just a well-oiled machine. Everybody works together. Very minimal uh, 
a chatter on the radio. Uh, the corner workers they had did a tremendous job. You know, I was able to listen in because we had the radio up and scoring and, and the, the communication between Mark and his corner workers, the way they're describing incidents. And they just really do a good job. You know, David, one of the interesting things is when we first went down there, that, that first race a couple of years ago in October, um, and on the, really the first the first competitive weekend, Jake French told me it was he loved the track, but it was probably the most physical track he's ever driven, driving in, in a shifter. Well, I asked the guys in, in the Briggs category who I raced with at Amarillo. I thought the Amarillo was a pretty physical track because there's a lot of tight stuff. And I was talking to Tyson Knight, and I said, what's this track like? Is It, it seems like it's a little more wide open. And he said, it's the most physical track he's driven on as well for Briggs. And I go, really? He goes, because there are so many corners here that you got to pound the curbs. You're up over the curb here. You're transitioning back over to here. And there's a lot of grip as well. There's lots of passing opportunities, but you really got to work the curbing heavily, David, to be able to, to go quick around the racetrack, which makes it really, really interesting. So we can call this the Danny Formal circuit, right? <laughs> maybe. What? Maybe. Yeah. So you haven't driven it. I, you know what? I was going to go out on Friday afternoon, uh, but I was exhausted from my trip. I, I had to get up at like three 30 in the morning to get to the airport. So I said, no, I'm going, I'm going home and go to bed. So I did not, I have not driven it yet. And next time I go down, I'm definitely going to do that. I was going to drive as you know, but I didn't. Well, I think it makes sense because obviously Alan Rudolph of the Alan Rudolph racing Academy, yep. uh, designed the racetrack and he's been to a number of racetracks over his really long career <laughs> racing. Um, and so it, he obviously knows how is it, how am I going to be able to have a racetrack that a, not only provides great racing, but B provides a great training ground for not just beginners, but people who, who are coming to the racing Academy to try and get that one or two or three tenths better as they develop as a driver themselves. So I think, I think that only makes sense that it is one of the most challenging and, and one of his prior home racetracks was the PKRA, the Phoenix cart racing association circuit that we know is probably one of the most, um, probably difficult racetracks to, to master. Oh, it's physical for sure at Phoenix. But And you know what? That's a great point, David. Not only is it a great racetrack, but he had to design it to have the aspects that he needed in terms of training. Well, you're right. Hard-breaking zones. It's got some big double apex corners. There's some very quick 90s, some transitions. Uh, one of the things about the track, I don't know if I've seen it. I don't remember seeing it even last year. But this year, in at the end of the straightaway in turn six, which is a right-hand hairpin, and then coming through 13 to 14, which is the right-hand essentially sweeping hairpin that leads onto the front straightaway, it, drivers, were, if you were able to hold the outside line through turn six, it sets you back up to the left hand. You actually still have the inside uh, for, for turn seven. And we saw a lot of guys make, you know, they make a move to the inside to make the pass uh, to try to get by the person, but they weren't, they weren't decisive enough to actually be able to, you know, to take the spot. It, it, it wasn't so much that you needed to take the apex, but it's, you had to own the exit as well. Like you, it was like, almost like you're around the corner, even though you were side by side, you had to beat the guy to the exit point on the outside of the track to be able to hold them off. Otherwise they'd stay around the outside of you because you could hold so much grip when drivers realized that and instead of turning right at the apex, pushed, you know, pushed the apex a little deeper into the corner with the driver on the outside of them, then made the turn that allowed them to get that, that position on the exit. It was, it was interesting for the driver's, who really didn't understand that they were just taking the apex like you used to. And it just wasn't enough, which is cool. Well, that, that, uh, that shows that, 
you know, having a full practice day really helps if not testing prior to coming to a racetrack, especially if you've never been there before, uh, where you, you, you learn certain, uh, unique patterns or unique opportunities that can arise during throughout a race course. Yeah. And, and so there's certain corners on certain tracks that you, you believe you have to take a certain way, but really in honesty, there's a completely different way of taking that corner to make you either quicker, or as you said, be able to, to make pat to complete passes or provide, um, uh, a kind of dis- defensive uh, out to be able to hold on to the to maintain the position. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, you know, as we go through the pa- the, the paddock pass here, you know, obviously one of the things we'll talk about is the actual team SRP, the Speed Sports Racing Team, Alan Rudolph's crew. Uh, they were strong across the board. Obviously, the local drivers they did struggle with a little bit of bad luck. Um, you know, the cool thing is the whole program's kind of led by the older drivers that are the formal rental car drivers from the other, other track that came over Joshua, Elianel and Jack Scanlon. As I had mentioned, Elianel, as you'll hear in the race report up to second at one point, he was very strong. Uh, and a couple other drivers. Well, the Moss brothers were right in the middle there. Davis Cunningham as well. Uh, we saw a number of drivers kind of step up and there was some bad luck, but overall, uh, Allen's really starting to grow his micro and mini program. He's got a couple of guys that are going to be running in the senior category coming from the rental car program. You know, Dave, true products of the speed sports racing program. And that's, hey, we've got people coming out here from the Houston area to try these rental carts, to get in a rental cart league, to have fun racing carts, and then be able to see the, the competition side. And just to see a couple of kids come over there, some young kids in the micro and mini class, um, I, I like what Alan's doing there right now because he's starting to foster that next generation of driver we're going to see. Yeah, Houston's a big area. Uh, obviously, we have uh, the Gulf Coast Carters down on the southern part of Houston. Uh, you have speed sports there on the northern part. So, it you know, it's great to see, you know, karting grow uh, in, in a city like Houston, Texas. Obviously, big, lots of oil money down there, lots of other uh, industries down there. Uh, so it's good to see that. And, and because that, you know, numbers grow as, as you get the club program going, especially at a new track that is speed sports, it takes time to get the numbers to grow and, and having that separate rental track, as you said, it helps entice people to go from just doing those, you know, maybe once a week type, uh, scenarios where you come out to, for a league to, to move into that competition side and, and grow. And but it 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 also provides just an opportunity to 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 the great thing is is they're there twelve months out of the year you know they don't have any downtime well so that that makes things great for 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 not only business but the sport in general and the interesting thing David is and you know we don't really hit on it that much but he, I, I want to say Houston's like right around like the fifth largest city in the U S um, and so Kate as you said Katie's down in kind of the 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 southeast side. The 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 track uh, speed sports is essentially straight north. I would bet it's it's over an hour between those two tracks. So you're talking about you know two different groups of people. Like North Houston people could go to speed sports. Southern Houston could maybe go more over to Katy if it was close. It's all about developing just the sport in and around Houston itself. And what speed sports is doing is raising a lot of awareness and people may trek up to speed sports, but not want to go there every weekend. If they become racers, they're going to be down at Katy, hopefully. And you know, the whole thing's going to grow and they do an inter an inter club uh, series as well. The greater Houston uh, program as well. So they'll run, I think there's a couple of races up at speed sports, a couple of races down in Katy. So they're even working together, David, which is big, I think. 
Yeah, I wish all metropolitan areas had facilities like Speed Sports or say a GoPro Motorplex or or you know just that just a track in the. I mean, Detroit's lacking one. I mean, we have we you know we have what what is Motor City USA, and there is not a, an actual kart track aside from indoor You're carts right. uh, in in Michigan. So it's it's really tough. Uh, it's tough to grasp that type of mentality, but you know, it's we're, we are thankful for the tracks that we do have, and we have a long history with a lot of the different facilities, and and it's good. But uh, you know, growth is always a positive move, especially for our sport. So, looking into the paddock, of course, one of the big teams in Texas right now support, and, and they really support the Texas Pro Car Challenge. That's Crosslink Competition. Sean Owens and the crew, uh, the big tent, the big trailer, a lot of great drivers out there running. Uh, a big group that's obviously supporting the Texas Pro Car Challenge, but also a lot of smaller teams, you know, mom and pa teams in the in the paddock as well, which is really cool. It was also fun to see a lot of Texas PKC regulars come back as well. I had mentioned the fact that the series kind of promotes that the, the goal is to train and prepare drivers and their families to move to the nationals. And that is great for great for the sport, but it often robs entries. And this particular weekend, uh, we got, as I said, Luke Lang, Brandon Tyner, Cooper Shipman, Oscar and Jack Iliff came back. Santiago Duran came back for this weekend, their first start. Same with Ivana Richards. All those drivers running nationally on the whole Scusa Pro Tour, they make their first starts uh, this weekend, this past weekend at Speed Sports. So it's good to have them come back. But again, that's part and parcel, Dave, with this program, which is designed, and they'll say that, Mark and Gina will, to make sure people are ready to go national racing sometimes to the to their own detriment because guys end up going and they're not coming back which is which is that's what it's all about though right well as you said we just still need to get these club tracks to that 100 100 driver yep. mark you know if you get members you know because then you have if you if you lose 10% there to regional racing you're able to recoup and and, and regrow from there and regional programs are able to to continue to grow because they're going to have a certain percentage that either are done racing or or move up to uh, the next level and that's all they do there so just uh yeah it's all like you said it's always a moving target and and it's good you got to have you got to have race teams such as crosslink or or cart shops that that support not only club and regional but also also national racing i couldn't agree more Folks, we're uh, closing on the halfway point of this debrief podcast. Rob Howard and David Cole discussing the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Uh, you know what? We're going to jump into the race report after this break. You probably know Nitro Kart for making a class-leading cadet chassis. The kart that swept the 2018 Scusa Supernats cadet divisions and has won scores of races and championships all over the country. But did you know that Nitro Kart offers a full range of carts, including a kid cart and a brand new full-size chassis? Now racers of all ages can enjoy the Nitro Kart advantage of premium components, superior performance, and a wide range of tunable handling. All 2019 Nitro Karts are in stock now, so call Nick Tucker at 704-818-7868 and order yours today. Hi, I'm Ashley Rojero, a multi-time international champion, but most kids know me as coach. Under the tent, we aren't just friends. Everyone grows to become family. It all breaks down to two simple choices. You can either spend your time winning with us or spend your time trying to beat us.
Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. Meticulously engineered and manufactured in Japan, DID Genuine Parts are the world's number one original parts supplier for Japanese and European motorcycle manufacturers. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing kart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today, because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. Attention all Briggs 206 racers. The biggest race of the year is coming. On October 456, Cup Carts North America is hosting the largest Briggs 206 race in the country. The Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals at Newcastle Motorsports Park, where the best racers from all across North America will come to see who has what it takes to become Grand Champion. This three-day event features a full day of optional practice on Friday, October the 4th, qualifying and heat races on Saturday, and finals on Sunday. On offer is over $25,000 in awards and prizes that will be awarded based on finishing positions as well as door prizes throughout the entire weekend. Newcastle Motorsports Park is a world-class facility with not only the size and staff to handle an event of this magnitude, but it's also considered one of the best racing services in North America. We're privileged to have such a perfect home for this event. Due to the high demand for this event, we've been forced to cap classes to ensure the event remains on schedule. So, if you want to take part in the biggest event in four-cycle karting, register ASAP. Registration opens to the public on August 30th. For more information, head to cupcards.com. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network, uh, episode 56 of the EKN Debrief. I am reviewing my trip to the Texas Pro Kart finale at Speed Sports Racing Park. Time to jump into the race report as we'll look at the action that took place down in Houston. This edition of the race report brought to you by Streeter Superstance. With decades of experience and an unbeatable reputation, Streeter Superstance leads the way in quality, innovation, and affordable lifts, stands, and an amazing selection of trailer and shop accessories to make you the envy at every event. From local club racers and regional warriors to the top pro tour teams, racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstands builds it. Roll with the best and shop online at streetersuperstands.com. All right, David, let's go green, 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 get rocking here. Uh, X30 Senior, as I said, a pretty decent field of drivers. Uh, strong field in terms of talent, and it was good to watch them go at it. The season's kind of all been about uh, Caden Gray. He has been good from the get-go at Denton. Out of the box, though, last year's champion Brett Mitchell is back for the weekend, his only start this year. Uh, he ends up qualifying on the pole. Gray steps things up in the pre-final, and then, and then we go racing in the main event, which was a 16-lapper. Now, Caden Gray jumps out on the Cosmic, gets out to a pretty solid little lead out front, but for me, the star of the show was Joshua Leonel for on the Burrell Art for Speed Sports. 
Started, I think, fourth. I want to say fell back to fifth, but kind of worked his way forward. Ends up passing Riley Can to take over the second position. So as Caden Gray's bolting out there, um, it's L.A.N.L. holding off Riley Can, And Riley was showing him everything, but was showing the patience. Riley finally able to get back on the final lap to steal back second. Lionel ends up getting his first Pro Car Challenge podium in third. Mitchell, who started on the pole uh, for the pre-final, ends up getting fourth. And Jack Scanlon rounded up the top five. But it was a pretty solid run for Jeshua Lionel. And a little more backstory before you jump in. Here's the guy that started in, reg- in the rental cars, like I said. Moved over and ran in the X30 Junior category. And then midway through this year, because he was getting too big, moves to the X30 Senior class. And in his first ever Pro Car Challenge race, was eventually was was running second in front of Riley Can at one point. Obviously, a, the uh, proof positive of the product that, that Alan Rudolph and his training programs developing. And it's always good to get that that basically first regional start at your home track, uh, especially in the X thirty senior category because it's uh, yeah. it's one of the toughest categories in the country. So to be able to run, uh, you know, alongside or uh, you know, and as you said, in front of uh, some guys who have raced on the Scusa Pro Tour. That's uh, it, it definitely helps build the momentum. And as you said, it, it, it kind of signifies that that growth that uh, that he's been able to do. Yeah, I see the same thing out of Jack Scanlon, of course, Alan Rudolph and, and Jesse Dunham working with those guys. Um, Jason Birdsell in there as well, working with them throughout the year. But, David, you mentioned momentum. But for a guy like Joshua, you know, a young guy just coming up from X30 junior to X30 senior, it's all about that confidence, right? That race that where he was, you know, all of a he goes by everybody. He goes by into third, goes by into second, and just making those passes. You can just imagine how much confidence that would build for him. So, again, with that confidence, as I said, uh, moving into Sunday, Joshua Lionel was strong, come out of the gate as well. Uh, Riley can, though, uh, able to get the qualifying spot, P1 in the opening session. Caden Gray came back again uh, for the pre final. He just looked so comfortable and so confident. Uh, and not surprising, he's had such a, a great year. Uh, Mitchell ends up finishing second because Gray ends up getting the win. Gray went quickly to the lead at the start of the race, but was chased aggressively by both Riley Can and Brett Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell was putting a lot of pressure on Can, eventually was able to go by for second. Uh, As I said, uh, Joshua Lionel scoring another top five, not a podium this time, but ends up finishing fourth and another top five as well for Jack Scanlon. In the entire points deal, really, as I said from the the get-go, Caden Gray really dominated the action. Five wins over six races. Uh, was able to real. I think he set the tone in Denton, Texas. Able to dominate there and was just super strong. Uh, Alejandro Jaramillo got the one uh, race win in uh, Amarillo, but didn't race this particular weekend. So he ends up dropping to fourth in the overall standings. Riley Can had a really good finish, Dave. A good weekend to wrap it up in Houston. Two podiums. It makes pushes him to second place overall in the points. And Dylan Town with a pretty good run uh, overall in the weekend ends up third overall in the points. But really, this this year in X30 Senior in Texas, it was all about Caden Gray. He just dominated the action. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, Riley, for Riley, it was his best weekend throughout the season, uh, grabbing his second and third podiums on the year to move him up to second. Uh, and again, to be able to rate, I believe Brett Mitchell is a former, former series champion. So yeah, last uh, year. making yeah. his uh, return back to the, to the program, great to see him back. And, you know, to, you know, so you got those three guys, Greg, Riley and Mitchell, and then to see uh, the newcomers, uh, the new drivers uh, mixing it in, mixing it up well with them 
uh, bodes well for uh, the talent pool that we have down there in Texas. No doubt. And a lot of great races coming from P1 next year. You'll see these drivers running at events like the Lockhart Grand Prix. But I will reiterate, Dave, and I'll agree with you with the Riley Can thing. I will say it's probably the breakout weekend for Riley because it almost seemed like he just, there was confidence there. He knew he was going to be able to run for podiums, potentially even the race win. Like I said, he qualifies on pole at one point uh, for Sunday. He was right there uh, all weekend long. So I think it's going to be a good breakout for Riley Can. Moving now into the X30 junior class. The return of Luke Lang and Brandon Tyner really kind of set the pace, David. They uh, uh, they were right there, and, and again, we're talking national and international uh, experience. These guys, you know, national level winners as well. So when you come back to the regionals, you're, you're expecting to win wherever you, whatever you do. Lang qualifi- qualifies on pole on Saturday. Ryan Sheehan stepped up, and again, there's another guy coming off an, inter- an international start. And I'll tell you, David, I. I think it really, it really paid off for Ryan Sheehan because it just seemed like he was a different guy this weekend. Oh, for sure. Anytime you go up against uh, international competition, it's it's gonna it's gonna help educate you a little bit more because as we've we've kind of uh, uh, documented over at least the two decades that I've been involved in in covering international racing, it's a lot different over there. It's it's not the you know follow the leader type scenario. It's a, there's a lot of pushing and shoving and a lot of, a lot more, it's a lot different of a chess game, uh, when you, when you go over there and, and racing at the Rotax international open, um, that he did go race at. I mean, there was some stout competition and he was able to come out of that with a really good, really good finish. So momentum, as we, as we were just talking about in the, in the previous class, momentum helps carry over to the next event and the next event and the next event. And, and it's something that Luke Lang and, and, and Tyner, they, they obviously uh, promote, uh, built, built themselves off momentum as well too. And David, I'll, I, you would have commented for sure on it just to see Ryan there in that, in that one pre-final when he was kind of defending, he had those guys right behind him. Um, <clears throat> he was a different driver. You know what I mean? It was, you could see that there was a say, listen, I got shuffled around a little bit over in Europe. You're not going to do that to me here. He had the elbows up a little bit, a little more defensive in some of his moves. It was, there was no doubt that what he learned running that Rotex race over in Europe, he brought over here. Like, like it was just, it was night and day. It, the experience was obviously very good for Ryan. He looked very good. Again, Luke Lang ends up getting the win on Saturday, bringing Tyner in second, Ryan Sheehan in third. And Ryan came in to the weekend, you know, battling a championship. Adrian Cruz was the championship leader in the X30 Junior. Ryan needed to make stuff happen, and that's what he did all weekend long. In the end, as you'll hear, it came up short, but man, he really pushed hard and and turned what could have been a really long shot at a championship into something that ended up being pretty close. Um, On Sunday, Luke Lang again, it just in qualifying, he was just so good, dropping down that magic lap. Sheehan comes back again with another pre-final win. The fight for this race one win, and of course the overall championship was really exciting on Sunday because the three drivers in the championship fight, which were Cruz, Alex Stanfield, and uh, and Ryan Sheehan, really got at it. And, and I I should probably preface the fact that that Stanfield had a really good run on Saturday, and in the end it was that really strong run. I think he finished fourth off the top of my head. Second. He was second on Saturday. Stanfield, oh, you know, I got yeah. my notes wrong. Third, I thought he was. Yeah, the oh, results. I, I have. got my notes wrong. That's right. He finished second. That's right. Yeah. Because there was some, some. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Tyner. Tyner was. It looks like he was third, or or 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to go off the points, but no worries. Yeah, dude. yeah. I guess I don't. I have my notes in front of me. That's not the right. I obviously wrote it down incorrectly. What Stanfield was able to do on Saturday is what gave him the position he needed on Sunday. You know, it's Dave. You, you have the spreadsheet. You know how it works, right? With the drops. What is your drop? You know, you know who's qualifying. Where are you finishing? Cruz had a decent right, decent weekend, but not an amazing weekend. Right, and that allowed Stanfield to kind of step up, and for him, to, what he was able to do on on the Saturday set him into position to be able to, to take the run on Sunday. So again, I think I got, the, I think what I did, I have them backwards. I think you have them backwards because because Stanfield had a, a runner up on Saturday with uh, Sheehan in third and Tyner in fourth. It. That's it. So that was that was your results on Saturday. So yeah, as you said, Steinfield getting that runner up uh, definitely you know padding the points. Uh, I believe it looks like what almost 70 points or 60 point differential between him and Cruz on Saturday alone. So that helps move that, you know, carries that momentum over to Sunday to where he basically just needed to see where Cruz was. Uh, You know, you don't want to cut it that close as as close as it came out to be. But uh, I think that's all he had to, you know, keep keep Cruz in mind and not do anything uh, that would jeopardize his, his point situation. Well, and that's what it, what it, it kind of came down to, to these guys, especially on Sunday. It was wild because they were diving back and forth. Everybody, you know, no, like Cruz knew what he had to do. So he was pushing super hard. Sheehan was just fast all weekend long. So he was like right in there trying to get another podium, potentially a race win. Uh, all in all, uh, everybody was kind of on the fence because it was just thrilling racing for sure. There was tons of passing, like, it was it was a championship day, right? It was championship Sunday, and they were all just kind of laying it down. And uh, in the end, like I said, this tremendous battle for the championship ends up with Stanfield coming away as the as a championship uh, victor, which I thought, man, was just was just super cool because, again, it's all about coming into that final weekend, David, and putting in two really good results. Stanfield eventually used his Sunday result as his drop, I believe. Um, Correct, but, but but otherwise, just. Just great racing all around. It wasn't a be- it wasn't a really like deep field in terms of numbers, but the quality are guys that we've been talking about for years running nationally, which was so exciting. Well, still thirteen drivers. I mean, that's a that's a good regional True. field, especially when you're talking about what half of them race at the Pro Tour. Uh, you got Jack Jeffers, who's mo- just moved up into X30 Junior. You got Noah Baker, another driver who's just basically moved up into juniors as well. So, you know, it, it gives them that extra that extra track time um, to uh, to develop as a driver and get get used to that full size chassis. But uh, like you know, as you said, it's great to see the championship basically come down to the final race and the final laps because anything could have happened where Stanfield could have DNF'd and. And Cruz could have got a couple more positions, which would have in turn gave him the championship. So you just you just never know what's going to quite happen, and that's that's why we always run that spreadsheet on Sundays. Yeah, I'd, I love. I would I would like to have had your spreadsheet for sure. But you know, the crazy thing, David, is in the end when it was all said and done. Uh, let me get my notes to make sure I get this right because I messed it up last time. Exactly. So it ended up, and this is where we'll, we'll, we'll give them some props to Sheehan as well. Stanfield ends up doing what he needs to do again. His second place run on on Saturday. Uh, coupled with, I think he was fourth or fifth in the in the pre-final, 215 points for him, which was strong. His drop race then turned out to be a 190 and then a 177 on round six. He picked that, that 190 back up. Adrian Cruz finishes second, just 18 points back. And Ryan Sheehan, who I want to say was like 155 points out coming in, something like that, 
ends up being just uh, 25 points back in total. A strong weekend for him. 220 points both days. David, it actually ended up being his best overall point scoring weekend for the whole year. And I, you know, to see somebody step up when the challenge is there, I thought that was big for for for, for, uh, for Sheehan and Stanfield, to be honest. Yeah, you always want to end the season well, and Sheehan really did that. And to 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 put himself in position to actually be in the hunt there in the final laps for for what could have been a, a title for him, but uh, but to finish up third is still solid and only 25, 25 points separating the top three. Indeed. All right, let's move to uh, to Mini Swift right now. Davis Cunningham coming into the the weekend with the point lead. He qualifies on pole for Saturday. Cooper Shipman making his first start for the year. He ends up winning the pre-final. Uh, in the actual race itself on Saturday, it's uh, it's Joseph Moss, Cooper Shipman, uh, Davis Cunningham, and Elio Meza essentially running nose to tail top four drivers in that pack at the start. Moss and Shipman leading the pack. Um, but actually, it was interesting because it was Oscar Idaf that was closing in near the end, and he was the one that, if you if you listen to the broadcast, which was playing today on the EKN Radio Network, I, man, I was watching Idaf, and as he's closing at the end, I'm like, could he win this thing? And so he passes Cunningham with four uh, for fourth with three laps to go, sets himself back up again. The very next lap, he gets by uh, Elio Meza. He he moves his way into third spot, and I'm honestly thinking. Idaf's going to try to win this thing, but he got a little, you know, making that pass on, on Cunningham he was, or Mesa rather, he was a little bit back. So he had to kind of catch up a bit. Final lap, super exciting. Shipman ends up taking the lead from Moss into turn seven, which is the left-hander after the long straightaway and the hairpin there. Moss tries to get back on, on in turn number eight because Moss needs the points if he's going to be able to try to take this championship away from Cunningham. He needed to get almost every point he possibly could. Eight, eight is a double apex right-hander, eight and nine. Gets into the back of Shipman a little bit, checks up. Iliff with a big run, dives down the inside, and he takes over second. And you, you wonder if it's all said and done. Iliff actually almost able to get by um, Shipman on the final lap as they come into 13 and 14. Moss was right there as well. It was almost three wide coming out of the final corner. That was one of those races that you really like to see in Mini Swift because David, the drivers were aggressive. They were decisive but they still gave each other lots of room. And in the end, Shipman gets the win. I live second, Moss third, but it was just fun to watch. Yeah, 84 thousandths of a second separating <laughs> the top two at the finish line. So definitely a close race between them. And and again, you know, this is this is a, a prelude to what we will see because all these kids race up uh, at the Pro Tour and other events, uh, both Iliff and Moss and Shipman, they've raced at USPKS. So we've I've kind of seen these kids yeah, yeah. Uh, racing right there as well, too. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, definitely talent pool strong uh, in the mini swift category. Yeah, so so we moved to Sunday, and, and Cunningham really, with, with things kind of handled, right? He had three wins on the season, so a solid lead for him in the championship. Moss ends up going uh, – now, granted, one thing, we had they, they do a thing on the Texas Pro Car Challenge called the Bell Lap. It's kind of the same thing you'd have uh, in cycling, on the velodrome cycling, where you get bonus points on one particular lap. Well, lap 10 was the bell lap. Every every class gets one a year. Mini was on Saturday. Joey Moss ends up getting the bell lap, so 10 bonus points, so he closes up again. He qualifies on pole on Sunday. Another 10 bonus points. Now, again, Cunningham's got such a big lead, but Moss was just eating into it. Cooper Shipman again ends up winning the pre-final. Moss jetting out into the lead in the main event. Kind of letting that battle, 
you know, go up behind him. They were dicing behind him. So, so Joey Moss pulls away. Um, it was, it's Elio Meza again, Shipman, Iliff, Duran, Cunningham, all in the fight. Uh, Mesa ends up get, getting into an incident. As it shakes down, Santiago Duran, Duran actually works his way up. Moss gets the win. Duran in second on the Nitro cart and Iliff in third. It was, there was just, there was guys that stepped up in the second half of the race weekend, but Santiago Duran was really the one I think turned things up on Sunday because uh, he was really able to get himself in the fight where he wasn't really there on Saturday. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out the results here because I show Shipman finishing 14 laps. Did he have an issue uh, in the main event? I believe, I believe, I th- was it the final? I think something happened in the final circuit where he had to, where he had to just crawl, you know, the very last lap and just crawl back around. Okay. I'm not mistaken. It, it, they just didn't, they didn't put any penalties because it looks like he got a penalty because he crossed the line in fifth. But uh, it was put down to tenth, so I'm not quite sure if there was. That's a, a possible. Maybe enough, we, there, I will say this: there was some avoidable contact penalties, and uh, and um, Mark French was was more. You know, he was he was dropping some 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 avoidable contact. He dropped a couple of jump starts as well uh, in a couple of the categories because there were drivers that were having trouble. Like they were, you know, they were coming up to the line, and the outside line was way ahead of the of the front guy. Uh, and so some guys did get some 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 jump start penalties as well. I don't have that in my notes. Uh, and again, hard to take notes when we're thrashing like we are because they're too damn efficient. Uh, roll the next race. Yeah, they, uh, they, they they just need a little like give you a ten, a two minute buffer. Give me some time. That's all you got to ask for a two minute buffer. <laughs> what, let, we'll be back that in said, two and two. <laughs> yeah, just give me a little time, right? That's but but they did a great job. They and there wasn't a lot of incidents. There was a couple times we we went behind a little bit, but I was always playing catch up. It felt like throughout the weekend. <laughs> Bottom line to Mini Swift, Cunningham, as we said, ends up with the championship. Moss has a great weekend, a couple of podiums and a race win. He closes to, to, to 95 points in the end, but Davis Cunningham ends up being the the uh, Mini Swift champion for the Texas Pro Car Challenge this year. Landon Skinner finishes fourth on Sunday, and that secures him third place in points. So it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun for sure uh, in at the podium presentations. There is something we'll talk about before it's all said and done. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, the mini Swift racing was good. It just was really, really good racing. I enjoyed it. Well, is it, is it the drivers, the racetrack or a combination of both? Because, yes. uh, you know, as we said, we have, we had some pretty good talent, uh, in the field and, and everybody keeps talking about how challenging the track is. Well, if the track is challenging. Don't you expect to see some of the, the, the stronger guys pull away from, uh, from, from the rest of the field? I mean, we didn't have too many breakaways, did we? No, we actually didn't. But there were separate groups, as you get sometimes, right, David? You know, four or five, then a couple of threes, that kind of thing. And, and a couple of times, they just paired off two by two in a couple of the categories as well. We saw that in the Briggs class. So the, the track lends it to it, it lends itself to that because it's so challenging. But there is that long straightaway. There is a bit of a draft to play. Uh, all in all, though, just the, the mini swift drivers really were one of my favorite categories to watch all weekend. Let's cap off this segment, jumping into the micro swift class. As we said, the biggest field so far on the year or to, to date for the year for Texas pro car challenge with 10, essentially a battle between Ethan Thomason and James Moss for the championship. Uh, Thomason drew blood first. He ends up qualifying on pole on Saturday, Jack Iliff, he and his brother, uh, Oscar Iliff, obviously coming in for their first starts of the year. He wins the pre-final. Uh, Iliff and Moss eventually pull away to battle it out for the win on Saturday. A great last lap battle over the final corners. Moss able to get back past Iliff in the left-hand turn 11 hairpin with a with uh, you know a good move to the inside. Iliff goes over under. 
They come out of the kink turn 12. They're side by side down to 13. That's that left right combination. Uh, into 14, kind of a crisscross. Um, Isla ends up taking the victory, but it was one of those ones, David, you know, when it's just back, like left and right and left, finally coming out of the corner. Um, Moss ends up getting second. Valuable points for him trying to close up the gap on Thomason. But indeed, it was Iliff with the win. Thomason did come back to third, which made things interesting. And David, at the end of that day, Thomason ended up leading Moss by five points heading into Sunday. Well, it looks like Moss had fast lap of the race, so that certainly yep. helped him. Uh, but to, to bounce back, because didn't it was just at the end of July where, where Moss had that broken wrist. So to be able to come back and, and to be a, a quick driver right away, uh, and probably what is his what first race back. Uh, maybe he did a couple club races here or there, but uh, you know, kudos to James for for bouncing back from that uh, that broken wrist. Now hold on, uh, maybe I, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna mess me up right now. Was it was it Joey or James that broke his wrist? It was James. It was James. It was yep. It was the micro kid because it was a micro wreck. I'll, I'll tell you for sure. You wouldn't have known because those both those both those kids are on the throttle all the time. So I <laughs> I couldn't have told that either of them were, were hurt. If indeed it was if indeed it was James, that's pretty badass because like I said, you couldn't tell the difference based on what they were doing on the racetrack. That's for sure. Uh, so okay, of all the championships, David, on the weekend, this is the one that actually came down to be super exciting on Sunday because as it shakes down, because you know we're of course watching the points that, that come up for grabs, right? There are five points difference coming into the race. Uh, uh, Jack Iliff qualifies on pole. He steals away the 10 points. Nobody can use that. In the pre-final, do you have the pre-final results in front of you? Yep. I don't, let me see if I have, I, I have the points yeah, in front of me. Check out the point, check out the points in the micro class for right. the pre-final because, <laughs> because Moss mm-hmm. ends up winning the pre-final. Yep. Right. And, and, Thomason says, third I think he ends up Austin third. Roy in second. So, Austin Roy, another one of the speed sports drivers up in the second spot. So, I, I believe when that's all said and done, they end up tied for the points going into the main event. Either tied for the points or James might have had, had a five-point lead. So, it comes down to who, whichever driver beats the other driver, that's just going to win well, the that's how you want it. Yeah, that's how you Which want it. Which is perfect, it. right? Winner, winner take all. Um, so, here, this is the exciting part of this race. So, Again, you, you mentioned uh, Austin Roy, another another one of the, the drivers in the speed sports program. Here's a kid who steps up his game because the, as soon as we go green, as I said, he, he finished second. He goes to the lead. So here, here's Austin leading on, at his home track, starting the race, coming around for the second lap. we got the first lap in the books and coming out of turn six. I'm not sure what happened. He ends up, he ends up coming to a, to a halt on the outside of turn seven. Absolute heartbreak for a kid that's obviously going to be able to battle for a podium and potential race win. Tough one for Austin. Look forward to seeing him back next year to see what he can do with a full year under his belt. So who takes over the lead? James Moss. And with a pretty decent advantage at this point, with some of the, you know, some of the action in the opening lap. Next lap around, coming out of turn number eight, nine. He all of a sudden slows, pulls off in turn number 10, thrown chain. Bro- loses the chain on, on the Burrell, he's out. So different sections, right? That yeah. they, that yeah, they was, pull it, over. So it yeah. wasn't, so we're, it wasn't sure that it was a chain or not for Roy. It just could have been something, uh, uh, something mechanical other than a chain. And I'm not sure. Actually, James might've been on, on a, on a Benick. I didn't actually find out what happened to, to yes, Austin. James is on a Benick. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, uh, don't, 
don't worry about whatever's on the results is not what they're on all the time. Trust me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Because people change chassis and don't tell anybody. Right. Um, so indeed, I, I don't know what happened to Austin. I don't know what it was. James, I confirmed with Alan Rudolph, it was indeed a, a drop chain. So essentially right there on lap number three, the championship was decided. Right. Because Ethan Thomason was, of course, able to c- continue on. Uh, in, the, in the end, uh, Thomason, he actually, I think, I don't, he actually didn't win the race. Um, Jack Iloff actually won the race on right. track. Yep. But he got a two-position penalty for avoidable contact. That moves Thomas into the win. Fernando Hassas on the parallel to second, and Iloff ends up taking third spot. Um, in the championship, Thomason gets that championship win. Moss second. Charlie Bradbury, who had a fantastic uh, a weekend as well, he ends up finishing third. And David, I'm not sure if you've seen it on social media. But we pulled the champagne out, paint out, and he did the shoey. Ah, full full chug out of the race boot for the micro for the micro guy. It was awesome. So he has some Aussie uh, Aussie background, huh? I don't know if he has any Aussie background, but he likes Ricardo, I guess. <laughs> and he was doing the shoey, and everybody's yelling at him, "Do the shoey, do the shoey!" Took the boot off, filled her up, chugged it back. Well, that's that's. I hope it was apple juice, right? It was apple. It was out. It's sparkling, sparkling apple, sparkling water, yeah, sparkling. Yeah, okay. Sparkling apple cider. <laughs> well, the crowd went crazy. Let's put it this way: the crowd went crazy. Well, of course. I just, I just nuts. don't know if I, I. Would you ever drink from your shoe? I would have to have had a lot of drinks beforehand mm-hmm. to drink from okay. my shoe. You know what I'm saying? Well, my my shoe, my, 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 my racing was- shoes are like 15 years old, so I don't know if I want to even <laughs> try that. <laughs> And you see my toe, so it can't it can't oh be the God. right one. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be the right one. Ooh. Ooh. Now, do you still have your shift? Boots? I never had shift boots. No, what I boots, actually what I actually have? use wrestling shoes because oh they have they have the, they have a boots. really thin sole, so you feel like you you this really feel true. the pedal. And and so I you yeah. know I've always I used I wrestled when I was younger, and I always thought they're they're comfortable. For for racing, but not for walking around the paddock a lot. That, that's for sure. Yeah, I hear you. That's that's for sure. Uh, anyways, <laughs> great job for Charlie Bradbury with the shoey, and congratulations to Ethan Thomason. He ends up being the Micro Swift champion for 2019. All right, folks, we get back from this break. We're going to come back. Shifters, K100 senior and junior, Briggs 206 senior, Briggs 206 junior. We'll rock and roll through that to cap off this edition of The Race Report. Stick with us. The EK and Debrief final round of the Texas Pro Car Challenge. We'll be back after this break. Top quality material, all presented in fluorescent yellow. You've seen it, and now you need to choose the flow. Since 2005, J3 Competition has been capturing major victories and championships both on and off the track, redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and rolled it into their own chassis line in 2015, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning races ever since. There are three Comp Cart models to choose from. The Covert 3.0 R19 is the latest design for tag and shifter competition. The Covert 4R serves several popular categories, including 100cc and Briggs 206 racing. The Ranger 28 model is designed for cadet racing and will be the official chassis of the Minimax division at the 2019 Rotax Challenge Grand Finals in Sarno, Italy. 
And lastly, new carters can get right into the comp cart product from the beginning, running the micro cart in the kid cart division. Visit j3competition.com for more on the fastest growing chassis line in the world. Do it now. Choose the flow. Hey everyone, this is Chris Wheeler from Bell Helmets. Bell Racing USA is now the official helmet of Supercarts USA. You can find our newest line of products such as the Carbon KC7 CMR, the only carbon fiber belt helmet approved with a CMR rating in the entire world during the 2019 season by visiting PSL Karting on site at all SCUSA events. Check us out online, www.bellracing.com or on social media by following at HQ. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience. We can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at franklincart.com where all of our products are just a mouse click away and we ship daily. We're constantly adding new products to our online store, so keep checking back. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, and of course, our championship-winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find molecule cleaning products, minus 273 racing gloves, micron gauges and components, and both MG and Bridgestone tires. If you're ready to take your racing to the next level, come and join us at Team FMS. We've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for many years, from providing a helping hand on weekday test outing or at a club event to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For 2019, we'll be attending the Superkart USA Winter Series, WK Manufacturers Cup, United States Pro Kart Series, and the Route 66 Kart Racing Series. And we'd love to have you under our tent at Merlin Nation. For all things karting, visit... FranklinCart.com. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. Uh, what, what are we? Episode number 56 of the EKN Debrief. We are reviewing the Texas Pro Kart Challenge finale from Speed Sports Racing Park. Uh, I'll blow through these next ones pretty quick, David, because there weren't a lot of entries, so we can just kind of knock it out. Uh, shifter cart category, as we know, battling within the SCUSA program as the 175 starting to grow roots around the program. Only two drivers in Pro Shifter, Max Hewitt and Greg Alvarez. They end up splitting the race wins. Uh, Hewitt actually retired, I think, midway through or to the end of the race on Sunday. Alvarez got that victory. One driver, uh, actually two drivers in G1 on Saturday. Miguel Garcia beating out Alan Campbell, who actually ended early. Uh, Garcia, the only entry on Sunday. And then Skylar Sutton, he was the, the sole entrant each day in the Honda shifter class. Skyler, of course, what did though, though run the entire series. Uh, so kudos to him. He ends up, uh, of course, winning the championship as the only driver in Honda shifter. K 100 senior actually had four drivers uh, on Saturday, three on Sunday. Uh, Josiah Tracy qualifies on pole on Saturday, but it was Doug Foxworth, actually the local driver on the comp cart who won the pre-final and then held off Josiah Tracy for the win in the main. Santiago Masi actually was very quick throughout the weekend, took third after battling James Lundberg on his Burrell art uh, for the final podium position on Saturday. 
On Sunday, Tracy, Josiah Tracy kind of came to the forefront. It was Massey actually who took the pole. As I said, uh, Santiago had really good speed on the weekend, was right there all weekend long. Um, but Tracy came to the forefront, ends up stretching out to score the victory in the main event. Fox was second, and Ma- Massey ends up well back in third after an off track excursion when he was battling it out. Uh, Matt Brent actually finished. Uh, I think he finished fourth on both uh, fourth both days. We actually had four guys, five guys rather. I mean, I forgot to add Matt Brent. We had five guys on Saturday, four on Sunday. Uh, Matt Brent on his uh, Ricardo finishing fifth on Saturday and fourth uh, on Sunday. Uh, Josiah Tracy ends up winning the championship, only driver to run all three events. And Cameron Reed was the only driver in the KA100 junior class. But David, they started her as far back as they possibly could. But Cameron was up on the wheel, and she worked her way all the way to the front uh, on, <laughs> in the pre-final and the final uh, on Sundays. They tried to keep her back as far as she could, but she was flying. She put you know the target on the, the seniors in front of her and just kept her head down and kept digging. Which was good for her. She turned fast laps, which was, which was Def, good. definitely definitely easier to to run down people when you have a rabbit in front of you. But <laughs> that's uh, exactly it. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it. it. It's interesting to see the difference in lap times between the K100 and the Briggs. Uh, Briggs are about what 103 fast lap uh, for the Briggs, and then you go to KA and you're looking at 57 seconds. So you're talking a six second yeah. difference on what is what an eight tenths of a mile track. Um, probably due to maybe a little bit of of slower, couple of slow corners. Would, would you say? Well, there's there's what four hairpins yeah. there, three or four hairpins, yeah. right? On tight corners of the racetrack, and of course they just don't come off. But again, David, that's that extra six seconds, right? That's what's going to be, that, that's what, that's what helps put that hundred CC K 100 VLR 100 program right in the middle between Briggs and potentially jump into X 30, right? Because, you know, I had a chance to drive the VLR out at Sonoma at Andy Saisman's Coda finale. And the thing just rips off the bottom end. You know, it's, it's much different than the Briggs. The thing's just always ripping on the, on the, on the power band of the bottom end. It's just fun to drive. But that much power coming off the corners, add on to the top end, and you're six seconds faster, like you said. Yeah, it's four, almost four seconds difference between KA100 and X30 Senior. So, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's definitely a great gap. And I think that's what helps – it's going to help, I think, long-term, uh, a lot of club and regional racing. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I think the KA100 and, and the VLR100, that 100cc electric start, is going to help a lot of people – who, who don't want the expense and maybe the rougher ride of the, of the X30 and the other, you know, quicker 125 CC liquid cooled single speed engines want something air cooled, a little easier on the body. I trust me when I ran it at Sonoma, I loved it. Have, have, have you, you've driven a, you've driven the KA right already before you did. I have not. I thought you drove one. Not. What did you do? Oh, you drove it. Did you drive a Yamaha GoPro? I thought you drove a KA a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, we're talking four years ago. We got to get you. <laughs> we got to get you in a KA. You got to try one. You'll love it, dude. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, for a guy that used to run Yamaha a lot, you'll dig it. You're going to let's say, yeah, it's very, and I was thinking, you know, uh, the vintage class at Rock Island, it's all Yamaha pipes. And I'm like, oh, yep. I remember these days. And so, yeah, <laughs> that, that pipe racing, it it helps you, you know, that the, the difference between that can and that pipe, it really helped to uh, mask your 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 failures in corners. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like where you're going with that. Oh, yeah. All right. A few more categories to go. They were in on track at the same time. Briggs 206 Senior and Briggs 206 Junior. Uh, Royce Johnson's kind of been the guy to beat David. 
uh, you know, all year long. Uh, he blew by me like I was standing still in practice at Amarillo. Uh, nothing but first or second place finishes on the year for him. Uh, but what it was cool was it was like the three top championship contenders, Royce Johnson, RJ Guajardo, and Tyson Knight, top three in the championship, and they were the top three guys to beat really all weekend long. Johnson qualifies on pole on Saturday, wins the pre-final, sweeps the day in the main event. But you know, it was a battle the whole time because they were all three kind of running together. Uh, you know, at one point, and I love this, at one point in the main event on Saturday, in the ma- I want to say it was in the matter of about 10 corners because I want to I say it was from like turn six to turn three or whatever. All three drivers led at one point because the track – play so well for Briggs. You know, they're going back and forth, taking moves. All three drivers at one point were, was able to lead. Johnson did get the win, Guajardo second, and Knight third. But all three of those drivers so evenly matched, I think. Yeah, you look at the lap chart, and it was lap 8, 9, 10, 11, where you see each driver take a turn yep. at least across the start finish line as for, for the lead. So, um, And then they settled back down to, uh, to finish uh, 1, 2, 3. And, and honestly, Dave, a hardcore final, you know, four cycle final lap, right? They were working each other. They were leaning on each other. And it was essentially a drag race to the line because Guajardo's going to the inside. And in that, in that last second, last corner, which is 14, it's a big right hand hairpin right in front of the grid. And then it's the kink 15. Well, it's so wide. You can hold the outside. So Guajardo's on the inside. He's trying to push wide to see if he can't push Johnson out. Johnson's holding on to the outside and all that Tyson Knight could do is of course do the over under right the late apex so they they came out of the track almost almost three wide and then it's the kink to the right well of course Johnson's got more momentum on the outside the least momentum is Tyson Knight on the inside so that's how they end up Johnson Guajardo and Knight at the line coming to that stripe it was just fun to watch it was badass i would like to have been out, i would like to and- have been out there actually with them to be honest well, I was just looking at the field and, and you're talking less than one second separating the, the entire field yeah. of 10 carts. So yeah, that's it was, pretty it was good. solid stuff. Uh, on Sunday, actually on Sunday, it was interesting because our, uh, because Royce Johnson really has the championship locked at that point. I wasn't going to give it to him officially, but with, what, three wins and two second place finishes, he's essentially got it already locked. So RJ Guajardo comes out and says, well, you know what? I'm going to show you what I can do. Qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final. He and Johnson pull away by themselves. Tyson Knight didn't have anybody to draft with in qualifying. Um, so he ended, I think he qualified sixth. And then, uh, and then he wasn't able to get even near the lead group, you know. And I think he, I want to say fourth in the prefinal, something like that. And that allowed just the way things kind of shook down with Miguel Mir getting in there. Um, um, it kind of caught everything up at the start of the race on Sunday. So it, it allowed Guajardo and Johnson to pull away. And Johnson just sat there in second. And just push, push, push. You know what I mean? He was not in a hurry. We got lots of time. It was a 14-lapper. They just took it easy and kind of pushed away to make it a two-driver battle. They went at it. Last lap had some contact. Um, but Guajardo ended up taking the win. Uh, Johnson second. And actually, Miguel Mir was able to pull away in third by himself to take the final position on the podium as well. So Miguel, who's, uh, what, a three-time defending X30 Masters champion now with the Texas Pro Car Challenge ends up getting a podium as well, running in the 206 class. Double duty for him too, as well. That's it. Dude, in a a hot 92 degree day, running all those laps, I was pretty impressed with Miguel for sure. He, You know what? In the draw at the end, X30 Master, X30 Senior, X30 Junior champions got a chance to draw for a Super Nationals entry. And they actually rolled rolled some big dice. Miguel Amir ended up winning that one as well. 
Well, it's a good, so, it's a good day for or good weekend for it him. It was a good day. It was a good day for sure. So Johnson wins the championship, as I said. Guajardo second in the championship fight. Uh, Tyson Knight in third. Uh, like I said, Johnson winning first and second in all three races, three wins. Briggs and Stratton donating a, uh, a, a Briggs generator to the champion. So he gets a Briggs generator. They also drew for uh, a Briggs generator, pulled you know, all the entry forms out, pulled it out. Tyson Knight. <laughs> so the Briggs driver getting a Briggs generator. So two guys with generators on I the I need podium. his luck. I'd like a generator. <laughs> I would like a Briggs generator as well. I agree. Uh, last but not least, we had, I think, three drivers one day in Briggs Jr., four drivers the next day. Uh, Cameron Reed qualifies on pole. She actually sweeps the day on Saturday um, in terms of getting all the positions. Reed, Cameron Steller, and Peyton Phillips, one, two, three on Saturday. Uh, Phillips actually got the race win on track, was penalized for avoidable contact. That moved uh, Reed in her Ionic Edge chassis to the win uh, and moved Steller up to second. On Sunday, um, Brooke Berry joined the hunt as well, so there's four drivers in the category. Uh, Reed again qualifying on pole. Uh, Phillips ends up winning the pre-final. All three drivers actually nose to tail. Stellar turned things up. They went back and forth all race long. Um, some last corner excitement as usual. Uh, Phillips ends up coming away with the win. Cameron Stellar actually moves to second, and Cameron Reed ends up in third. There was no championship in this one because to get a championship, you had to essentially have you had to either run all the races or have three drivers at all the races, and there was no juniors at the opening round. So no championship awarded, but three drivers that really went at it all weekend long. They have my respect. I don't even think – I don't think they offered the class at the opener, did they? They didn't. <laughs> that was it. Well, it wasn't even an option, right? Um, right. So pretty- that, that makes sense. But, you know, it's good to see at least a start, um, and a lot of these racers uh, have the ability to, uh, to do all the other uh, P1 promotion events uh, in 2020. And we'll talk about that, folks, after this break. We're going to head to one more commercial break here. When we come back, I'll do a quick little wrap-up. David and I will talk about our EKN trackside live race calendar for the remainder of 2019, and we will talk about those races that the French's P1 Promotions will be putting on next year. The Kart Republic has arrived in the USA, and it's been taking the world by storm. Kartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for Dino Chiesa's Kart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting, they are focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. Kart Republic racked up an unprecedented amount of championships in its first season in 2018, ranging from the Scusa Winter Series in X30 Senior, the United States Pro Kart Series in Mini Swift and X30 Pro, the FIA European Championship, and the FIA World Championship in OK Senior. Whether you'd like to find out the Kart Republic dealer closest to you or schedule an arrive-and-drive package with its official North American race team, contact Kartsport North America through their official website, kartsportna.com. Are you looking for a new kart shop, one that treats you like you're an important customer? If so, look no further than Acceleration Kart Racing. At Acceleration customer service is number one. We are a full-time karting business, not a hobby or an afterthought. We have all the products you're looking for, from kit carts to shifters, safety to speed. We strive to offer our customers the best products, prices, and service. At Acceleration Kart Racing, we're always here when you need something for your racing program. 
Located in Las Vegas, Acceleration is stocked with a wide range of products. We've been helping racers get the right parts for over 16 years. Acceleration has everything that a kart racer needs, from turnkey carts to safety equipment, engines and more, stocking all of the leading kart racing brands. Here's a taste of the products that we carry every day. CRG, Tony Kart, Bennett, Rotax, Honda, IAMI, MG Tires, Vinco, Bridgestone, Mojo, Alpine Stars, Sparco, Ribtech, and EVS, Tiller, Micron, Alfano, Bell, Arai, Zamp, KG, Sniper, Sweet Tech, and KNN. It doesn't matter where you live in the country, we will get you what you need so you can get back on the track. Acceleration has a sufficient supply of products to ensure that your order can be shipped the very same day. Our knowledgeable staff is available to help customers six days a week, and ordering online is open 24 hours a day at shop8kart.com. For visitors and locals in the Las Vegas area, Acceleration has a large showroom full of the best kart racing products available. Come on in and check it out. To find out more about what Acceleration has to offer, visit shop8kart.com. Again, shop8kart.com. And make sure to sign up to be on our mailing list to receive the latest updates and promotions that we send throughout the season. Again, we're a one-stop shop. Shopakr.com. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for taggeries, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, capping off this edition of the EKN Debrief. Just a final little wrap-up here. My name's Rob Howden, David Cole joining me from the offices in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, David, a couple cool things. Number one, um, Mark and Gina French getting up uh, in front of everybody at, when we, we wrapped up the championship podium presentations. They were kind of emotional because, uh, you know, Gina, her, both her and Mark do this for a living. And and they're very thankful for the sponsors that they have. They've been able to do this deal. It's a lot of hard work putting on these events. As, as David, as you know, you've been you've been on that side of the of the uh, of the the line, you know, that side of the, the drivers' meeting, that side of the, the of the program. When before you came to work for us at EKN, and one of the things after they thanked all their sponsors and thanked all the racers, they came up with a, a most improved driver award. And the driver getting the, the award, they watched him kind of develop over the last couple of years coming from a mid-pack guy to a guy racing for championships. It was kind of cool. They awarded the most improved driver honor for 2019 to Joey Moss, uh, who runs for Speed Sports. Uh, Joey, of course, the family, uh, his brother James runs as well. 
he's done really well, Joseph. It was kind of a tearful thing for everybody, but it was really cool for Joey to win that that most improved driver honor. Definitely a solid weekend to uh, to earn uh, your victory, first victory on the year, uh, probably first career victory for him at Texas Pro Car Challenge, and the win most improved. Yep. I guess it kind of goes goes along with that award. So finishing four podiums in the in the six races that he did this year. So uh, uh, a solid solid kudos to uh, to him. Uh, and another thing that was mentioned throughout the the weekend, and they they talked about it because we gave a bunch of a bunch of tickets out uh, free. We drew for free entry and tire tickets to the three races. Uh, Gina and Mark French, their company P One Promotions, they will not be doing the Texas Pro Kart Challenge next year. We're hearing word that there may be somebody else doing that, but they're moving on with P One to have just three standalone dates. They're going to bring back the Lockhart Grand Prix, and that has got people fired up like crazy. The street race in Lockhart was a lot of fun a number of years ago. Uh, they're going to bring their skill set, their talents, and how they work on a program. That's May 19th and 20th next year. They're going to go back and do another event at the karting facility, Coda Karting, at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. That's set for August 2021. I believe that's going to be under the lights as well, David. That's going to be a night race uh, at Coda. Um, I'm, they haven't confirmed it, but I'm assuming it's going to be kind of a 100cc Briggs 206 thing like they did last year. They may throw some shifter stuff in. I'm not sure if that track's big enough for it, but we'll let them come out with that. And the final event, they're going to do a race on September 2021. Back to West Texas, they're calling it Kart Fest Amarillo, and there'll be a, a bunch of different categories. I guarantee you shifter carts will be on the docket for that one as well. I'm sure it'll be a good cross-section of karting in Texas and, and beyond. But three different races for P1 promotions in 2020. Well, certainly the street race is one we've been to. Uh, we had we had a blast down there, uh, you know, just just south of Austin, Texas, uh, barbecue capital of the world. So your your stomach was in heaven that weekend. It was. Um, it was really cool to be there and and to uh, because I hadn't been I hadn't been to a lot of different street races. We I've done Rock Rock Island, obviously. Um, we did, uh, Modesto and we've done, um, Lancaster. So it's, it's interesting to see how different cities and, and how the streets, uh, uh, change over to a racetrack. And, and that, that town, that town of Lockhart is really cool to, to be a, a street race because it has that type of, uh, grassroots mentality, you know, and, uh, and the way the tracks can be laid out and around, around the town works out great for karting. So, um, different different sceneries uh i think we we're around the courthouse is what i believe uh that's was it. the that's center right. yep. of the racetrack so just to be you know out you know that that type of uh atmosphere and, and scenery you don't typically have uh in karting so i'm really looking forward to seeing uh what they can do with lockhart grand prix and the French family, you know, Gina and Mark have been doing this for a number of years right now. And, and I, you know, just the way they put on a race, I, I would definitely sign off on them because I've had a chance to work with them for two years, for two full years now. They just, they, they love doing this for the people, for the racers. They want to make sure everything's safe. So I think the safety level is going to be, uh, you know, higher than it ever was. The track itself, street track kind of leans itself for it. They've got the full support of the, uh, the council and the city itself, which is obviously massive. Um, this is going to be a big one. I think they're they're I think they're down there actually right now. I think they were heading to from the race that we had in Houston. They were rolling through to talk to the folks at Austin about their race from Austin, of course, just about 45 minutes to an hour down the road to Lockhart. So, you know, I, I know that they're going to be working very closely. You know, there's a lot of time still, right? There's what, uh, eight months till that race, uh, in, in May, the weekend before Memorial day. 
that's going to be a big race. Lockhart Grand Prix is one. I, you know, I, I just capped off a, an interview. Uh, we did a podcast, uh, a hot seat with uh, Race Liberante, which will have already aired on the EKN Radio Network very likely by the time we play this or will be coming up. And I asked him about Lockhart because he loved going to Rock Island, David. He says, I'm in Lockhart. For sure, I'm in Lockhart. So, and you can be guaranteed that Josh Lane will be carrying that flag as well. <laughs> Without a doubt. I, I think he was he was one of the uh, proponents. He was at the original because it, it was it was another name. It was. And it all it all started outside the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl, I believe, uh, is what the stadium was in outside da- in the Dallas area. Yep. I think that's where this all began. Fair and Park, Dallas so Fair was, Park or something like that. Right? Yeah, yep. it was. And and so that was like the most insane course that you could. It, it was almost like Isle of Man without the streets <laughs> because it was all through parking lot and access roads and. And you, you know, you, you got crazy guys like the Hager brothers and they were even a little timid and, and not really uh, for, for the layout. And Josh Lane was like, let's go, let's, let's go. This. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he's, he was really behind it. He loves street racing and you can be sure that, that, and I think they'll be able to draw even grassroots racers who love street racing because oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, it's the beginning of May or, you know, mid, mid May. And so the season's just starting. And it's coming up before any other street races that are going to happen uh, throughout the year, uh, so that it may it may draw some uh, some some drivers from a lot of different states uh, down to uh, Lockhart. All right, folks, let's cap things off here right now. We'll look at the EK and Trackside Live race calendar brought to you by Comet Racing Engines. Uh, big thanks to Comet Racing Engines for being a, a supporter of eCardingNews.com. Looking for that extra edge? Comet Racing Engines is your answer. The engine service program from Comet Kart Sales has been winning from coast to coast at all levels and different forms of the sport. Comet Racing Engines continually perform track and dyno tests to provide their customers with cutting-edge engine performance. Trackside and customer support are a cornerstone for the Comet Racing Engines business, ensuring that each and every customer receives personal attention and the help they need to achieve the best results. Contact the Comet team at CometKartSales.com or by calling 317 362-3413. All right, David, let's cap things off here real quickly. Uh, I am, what, a couple of weeks away, a week and a half away from heading to the streets of Lancaster Grand Prix, September 28-29. You don't go back trackside to do any work until the middle of October because October 4th, 5th, and 6th, Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals 3 at Newcastle. Another head-to-head showdown. Hashtag beat Rob Howden. <laughs> Hashtag I already beat David Cole. Hashtag the year's not done. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag I have the belt. Ooh, that's a good idea. We need. You a may belt. take. We should get. Do you want, we should get a belt made up. We should get a belt made up. Uh, listen, after that, we're we're both looking forward, of course, to getting to to the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals. The funny thing is, everybody keeps saying to me, "Should I come race that race race Liberante? Should I race that?" Yeah. I go, "Yeah." Get a cart. Come and have some fun. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that race. And again, that's that's why we do this. It's it's for that's fun. It. You know, it's not. There's no points. Don't you don't have to worry about points. That's and I think that's why these he really enjoyed Rock Island. It's just yeah. you go and race. You know, and yeah. it kind of opened Billy Musgrave's eyes. They're like this thing, this place is rad. You know, especially the racetrack because it's completely different from any street race that he's probably done. Well, except Modesto, but. 
Uh, <laughs> um, sure. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's nice to have these one-offs because it's, it's, it's about just racing and having fun and, and, and just doing what you love. Hey, where are you after that, David? So, yeah, you, you mentioned it. Uh, WK Manufacturers Cup Series the weekend after the Cup Carts North America race. Uh, so I'll be Newcastle back-to-back uh, weekends. One weekend racing, one weekend working. Steak and shake both weekends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, folks, we'll cap everything off. We have a bit of a break after that. Essentially a month off before we reconvene at the Real All Suite Hotel and Casino, November 20 to 24. It is Super Nationals number 23, Supercarts USA's flagship big show in Las Vegas. David Cole and I, of course, will be there for a full week. We'll have uh, coverage. We'll be doing our Barside EKN live <laughs> debrief shows. Uh, I'm sure David will bust out the ice bucket again, and uh, we look forward to everybody tuning in for that one. David? <laughs> Three more races to go on the uh, EK and Trackside Live Tour for 2019 brought to you by Cooper Tires. And yes, I brought out the Ice Bucket Challenge. Well, you got you got to save that for Super Sunday because it is really? Super Sunday. Okay. Yeah. All no, right. you can't you can't no, you can't it's big, it's it's Super Nats. We've learned now to pace ourselves and wait till Sunday. We have. It only took 15 or 16 or 23 years <laughs> on my um, uh, on my end, right? That's not going to say some of maybe the Friday or Saturday night debriefs might not get a little crazy. They might, but they no might. ice they bucket might. until Super Sunday because it's. Super, oh, I like that because it's tradition. Super. It's, tra- it's a super it's a, bucket. It's a dr- tradition unlike any other. <laughs> David, thank you for joining me, buddy. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for calling me, Rob. I'm glad I could uh, be on this debrief with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, folks. We have wrapped up the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. The debrief uh, number fifty something, fifty six, Rob. Fifty six. My notes are all over the place here, dude. I'm in the middle of. I I, I can tell you're you, you seem a little fl- flustered. Four weekends in a row. Texas Pro Car Challenge, Road to Indy, IndyCar Finale at Laguna. You're, you're just going to Laguna Seca. It's not a big oh. deal or anything. Well, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But then after that, Streets of Lancaster. I got two days at home to do laundry and repack, and then two days at home after Streets of Lancaster. Get on the road in the car, heading to Newcastle, so I can kick your ass at the Grand Nationals. I think I'm uh, benefiting benefiting on you being on the road for four weeks, you, and that's going to be the last week. That's so a definite good. possibility. I could be out of mental mental stability at that point. I will have the beer ready. <laughs> Thanks a lot. There you go, folks. We're done for this edition of the debrief. I appreciate David coming in and helping me out here, so I didn't have to talk for an hour and a half myself. Uh, again, it was a great time down at Texas Pro Car Challenge. Big thanks to uh, Mark and Gina French for their hospitality all the time, every time I get together with them. Great program. I'm excited for what they've got going with P1 Promotions in 2020. We're done. Thanks for listening to the ECAN Radio Network, folks. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>